The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to That's So Retrograde. I'm Hi. Elizabeth Cott. Hi, Elizabeth Cott. Hi, friends. I'm Stephanie Simbari. Back at it again. Wow. What a life we're living, For friends. another episode. Can we pull back the curtain and say that we're recording this a little bit ahead of time because we're planning on taking a little break? Here's a fun I feel fact. Like In all five years of us doing That's So Retrograde, we've never taken a break. And boy, are my arms tired. So yeah, it's time so, for us to reset, relax, pre-record, still give you guys what you what you need, what we think you need. But also, I'm just not going to talk for a month straight. So it's going to be dope. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Without Looking the Instagram forward. or without So Retrograde, I mean, I might just like dissolve into dust. It'll be like have glitter in it, though. Yeah, no, it'll be a really like shiny, like biodegradable, biodegradable, sustainable dust. Luminescent. Yeah. (laughs) Am I dying? What's happening? (laughs) Um, But before Um, we go, I'm excited about this conversation because it's been a very long time coming. Yeah, really has. We have scheduled and canceled with Caduce. Uh, more times based on retrogradian forces outside of our control than I can count. But I do believe that everything happens when it is meant to. And it seems like with the work that he's doing now is the perfect time to uh, have the conversation in front of the audience. Wouldn't you agree? I wholeheartedly agree. And I think we should just kick it over right to it. And Let's we'll see you after for a little Rose all roses, no thorns, because I think we're all aware of the thorns at the moment. Yeah, we don't need it to remind you. We're just going to bring the roses. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's take it to Caduce. Joining us today is our friend Caduce. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so happy to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Good I, to be here. In preparing for our conversation, I was like, where did we meet? And then what does Caduce mean to me? And we met in Utah years and years ago. You mean a whole deal to me. You're such a representation of the power of saying yes when something, you know, comes your way. I want to say like four or five years ago. No, four, four years ago, four, three and a half. Is that right? You reached yeah. out to me and you said, hey, Elizabeth, I'm starting to do some, it, I would say it's like mindfulness coaching rooted in public speaking and and kind of how to merge those two together and wanted to to bring it by you. And I just, rem- it was one of those moments that I've had, you know, a handful in my life where I feel that punch in my gut and it's like that challenge and that like, I and I've come to realize that's when I should always say yes is when I have that little bit of like scary resistance and began working with you and Carmina And it massively shifted my ability to talk into a microphone and talk on stage and, and really moved all of like this, like residual anxiety or self-doubt that I had kind of really only, uh, received, uh, like in my mid twenties is really when that came into my life. Mm, But what a gift, what a gift that is, isn't it? Yeah. What a gift. 
anxiety. But it's also, you don't really notice that you have like public speaking anxiety until someone asks you to speak publicly. And then you're like, oh, wait a second. This shit is crazy. Yeah. Well, why do I all of a sudden feel like my body? Yeah, exactly. Oh, wow. This is, oh, this doesn't feel good at all. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the work we did together, I mean, just had a massive, massive impact on not only my life, but my career. And so I just wanted to thank you off the bat for that. Oh, thanks. Well, you're like an example of what happens when somebody who's already awesome decides they want to be even more awesome in the service of others. And to see how you run with it has been an honor and a blessing. So I'm like your biggest fan over here cheering oh. you on here. So yeah, you're, you. you're amazing. You've done some great work Thank here. Thank you. I enjoy it. Once in a while, I actually listen to things besides the voices in my head. And you're, you're there. I, I listen to your <laughs> podcast. It's really nice. It's very well, refreshing. That's flattering. Thank you. <laughs> I think our audience probably recognizes you from TRL. MTV. Do you guys yeah. even remember TRL? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Hello? I certainly oh, do. Request Live. It was like when like you had to hear music and see music videos like on TV. <laughs> A long must time watch. ago. <laughs> Dinosaurs roamed the earth. <laughs> yeah. It was like must watch appointment television when we came home from school. It was the biggest deal. Mm, it was fun. It was fun. It was a moment. It was a moment where there was still moments on television. Now it <sighs> seems like everything's so decentralized that Nothing is special. I remember, and I'd love for you to expand on this, but in what inspired your coaching on how to, how to really ground in who you are so you can show up when you're talking as yourself, you said if you had had those tools when you were you know, on television, how powerful that would have been. Oh, yeah. It would have made it a completely different experience because I felt like such an imposter the whole time I was on TRL. I felt like the nerdiest guy who got in the party, you know? I'm like, they're going to figure me out. They're going to throw me in the back alley when they figure out that I'm actually a big nerd and I just snuck in. And I, I genuinely felt like this for the most part. And I think that th this training is something that is very simple, actually. It's not like magic, right? Like, I think we look at self-development and we're like, wow, that was so magical. Oh my God, transformation at its finest. And like, it's really just a space. It's a space, an intentional space where we can go to talk about the things that we normally don't talk about, right? Yeah. And, and then when we talk about it, we realize, oh, you have the same cynical thoughts about yourself that I do. Oh my God, that's so ridiculous. And then we get over it, you know? And, and so the power of the community, you know, and like how that room, the one that you were in to start the whole thing, like that was the first workshop of what became Camera Ready. I remember at the time we didn't even, we weren't even sure what it was going to be called. <laughs> and then obviously now it's, it's going strong as Camera Ready. So the fact that you were in that first family and friends group, I was like, Yes, Elizabeth is, you know, you're in it. You're in it. And you really ran with it. Like, this is a testament to it. Stephanie, not to leave you out. I know you're sitting there like, what does that have to do with me, She already knew how to do it, though. She yeah, was fine. Was she had 10 years of <laughs> stand-up. She was like a pro. I needed the work. But I will say that, like, even being a professional comedian, like, I experienced that dread every single time that I went on stage. Like, there were mm. moments where I was, especially as I got to do, like, more high-stakes things, I would mm -hmm. have to sit with myself before I went on stage and be like, you do this because you love this. You do this because you love it. And I would have to like talk myself off out of like a really intense anxiety spiral because it's no matter what level you are in that experience, it's, it's scary. It really yeah. is. The first time I ever did stand up at the comedy store, they told me there's a star that's a light. And just when you see the star, 
go on, your time is done. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and oh my they, God. So there's like a blue star over here that's like the light. But then there's also all these stars on the ceiling that are just like decorative. And I literally <laughs> blacked out and saw the ceiling lights. And I think I was on stage for a minute and 20 seconds, saw the ceiling light. I was like, that's my time. And then I was like, <laughs> for a minute. And I'm like, the lights were on. They're like, that's the ceiling. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I'm glad we can laugh about it now. I'm sure it was very real in the moment. I'm sure you felt like your entire career was now in jeopardy. I mean, I didn't have a career, so that was, <laughs> but I definitely felt like shook. Time out, time out, time out. Let's say what up to this week's partner in crime on the nutritional front. We are talking about Sakara Life. Sakara is a nutrition company that focuses on overall wellness, starting with what you eat with their organic ready-to-eat meals that are made with powerful plant-based ingredients that are designed to boost your energy, improve your digestion, and get your skin glowing. We love their chef-crafted breakfast, lunch, and dinners. Thank you. Love, love, love. And you know what? I've talked to a few friends who have treated themselves recently to a week long of Saqqara meals because they're sick and tired of cooking and going to the grocery store. Amen to that. And not only did it check all those boxes off of having to do that, but their digestion is reset and they told me they're feeling amazing. And I'm telling you what, I'm about to do the same. Mm -hmm. Um, I also really want to shout out their clean boutique. They have some great fun items over there and especially the detox water drops. I just finished my daily glass of water with those chlorophyll drops that are oh so delicious and it just makes hydrating just that much more fun. Totally. I love that. And they also have other supplements. They have herbal teas. I love their like sleep and beauty tea. It's like an herbaceous sort of like berry flavor. And I love to make that before I go to sleep. And not to mention they have the metabolism super powder that people rave about. It is an all natural remedy for bloating, weight gain, and fatigue. Guys, and they've thought they of it just all. added this popcorn trio summer edition that just looks like I'm going to be giving this. This might be my new gift to friends moving forward in life. Oh, so. I love that. Keep a lookout, Steph. Yeah, we kind of can just have the best time playing around on this website along, as we said, with their meal delivery. They just have the best stuff. So yeah. head over to Sakara. They're offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash retrograde. Enter the code retrograde. That's S-A-K-A-R-A.com slash retrograde. Get 20% off your first order. Also, just feel really clean, delicious, and healthy. Yeah. And you know what makes me feel clean, delicious, and healthy? This show? Yeah, that's right. Let's get back to it. Let's do it. I want to introduce you to something that everybody needs in their life, which is Adderall and compliments, which is also the name of my podcast. I'm Annabelle, and every week I want you to come kiki with me and my hilarious friends as we talk about everything from reality TV to dating fails, mental health. I promise it will make you laugh, and most importantly, it will make you feel so much better about your own life. So come join me and my baby stripper voice every Friday on iTunes, Spotify, and follow me on Instagram at Annabelle Sisto and give me the greatest gift of all, which is validation. I remember having a moment like that going onto the stage. It was a reality show. It was like a singing competition show. 
the A&E was doing mm-hmm. the pilot never made it to air <laughs> surprise <Yep>. uh, <laughs> I mean, the voice was already on, American Idol was already on, and here comes A&E, like, what about us? Yeah, We've got an idea. Yeah, we've got some time now that Mad Men is off. So So anyway, the the, the meeting where the producers pitched me the idea was inspiring enough where I thought, okay, cool. The premise is called Secret Superstar, where we have someone who's kind of like the voice, but you can't see. It's not just the judges that can't see them. It's the whole audience. All of us are looking at like, a screen that renders them only like a silhouette and behind the screen. And we just hear their voice. And then they are revealed to be someone who's disabled, you know, has no legs or whatever. Like that was the angle. And now that I'm like talking about it, I'm actually mortified a little bit, but I get how there was some logic involved, you know, but it's like, is it on one hand an exploitation of (laughs) people that are actually in that situation. And is, is that okay? And anyway, just go down the rabbit hole, whatever. The bottom line is I was there backstage and I was about to go on to host the show. And it was like the singing competition show. So there's all these different aspects of it. And I didn't take any rehearsal time because they came, checked in on me on the green, in the green room. I was hanging out with my dad. I was like, I'm too busy hanging out with my dad to do my rehearsal time. Okay. Cut to me getting on stage, feeling like I did not prepare enough. And the castle came a crumbling down. I mean, my system felt like I was in a burning building all of a sudden. I I was having a nervous breakdown and I couldn't breathe well. I literally told the stage manager, hold up. (laughs) Sorry, I got to go to the bathroom. I ran to the bathroom. I'm sitting in the stall, holding my head. I'm having a moment. And so that was a really avoidable thing. Like I could have definitely prepared in such a way where not only the preparation for the show and the material, but like also my state, my well-being, my mindset that I wouldn't go so off the rails that I couldn't get back on and feel good doing something. So that was one of the moments that really did have me look under the hood. There's something off here. I'm actually mm-hmm. not a whole stack of cards. I'm not all together. Okay. I got to like do some work. <laughs> I can't just read about it in these damn self-help books and think it's going to alchemize into my reality. I've got to really do some work. And then my friend Preston invited me to this workshop and I was amazed at this environment where we were all being facilitated to be our best selves. And I was like, Oh shit. I mean, I thought I saw a promo with Tony Robbins talking about this, but I've never actually been in the environment. I just known coaches from basketball. And all of a sudden it's like these life coaches that are asking me questions that are unlocking all of my blind spots and making me a more conscious human. And I was like, Oh, this is something I want to do for my life's work. Like this right here is making a difference. I thought I was making a difference, making some disposable ass TV that nobody, you know, like maybe they remember a funny moment with me and Jim Carrey, most likely not. So how can I actually take the talent of, of hosting and apply it to something that's a way deeper cut, something that can actually transform someone's life. Mm. I'm pumped that you trusted that and you came to camera ready and you got what you got. It was divine timing. And like I said, just saying yes to what sort of felt scary, Mm. but right. You Mm. know? Yeah. You did show a lot of courage that weekend. I remember for any given thing, you would raise your hand. I mean, I remember one time everybody's petrified to do the thing we were asking everybody to do. And you're like, so terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. Let's talk about a little bit of those exercises because they really were based in what you guys use the term stretch to stretch, like move out of the the comfortable into the uncomfortable. And the result of that was always some sort of soul growth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're all in a stretch now, right? Like we're all in a collective stretch to figure out this breakdown of a year. I I don't even see it as a breakdown, honestly, because like from a spiritual perspective, yeah, no, I mean, we're 
about to go in the age of Aquarius if we can just get our shit together. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, it is a breakdown, but it's a breakdown to break through. And I think yes. that worse because it's so acute, like we aren't really seeing the breakthrough. And I think that like the news media, especially like we were talking about before we started, like we've been talking about this every single episode because it's my new like platform for running for uh, the office I'm not running for is that the (laughs) internet is like creating an entirely different entity of fear around everything that's happening. So it's really Mm -hmm. hard to like see into the future of what the breakthrough could be when we're being inundated daily with just like fear and control. And it's really difficult to separate those two things. It's really tricky because we're all in one big experiment. Mm -hmm. The internet is still out to jury. You know, it's, it's like what effect it's having. I mean, Lord knows I'm noticing myself addicted to Instagram. It ain't okay. I'm clocking in like hours in a day. (laughs) Uh, Can I recommend erasing the app off your phone? I think I just stopped breathing. Uh, I think I'm going to need to work on that. (laughs) I did Incremental change here. I did it a week, a little bit over a week ago and it's been really transformational. So I give that to you as a tip. Okay. Yeah. All right. Challenge not accepted, but I'll I'll think about it. So I actually do. I actually am am really interested in in asking you a question around this because you're a coach of mine, taught me how to really ground in myself to to speak to what's important to me. And Mm. I was watching an IGTV you did a week or two ago, and you talked about in particular your work around allyship. And I want to go deeper on that in a moment. But you said that someone had reached out to you who was interested in in having you coach them. Mm -hmm. And you said you looked at their Instagram and you didn't really see, it didn't look like they had put any effort towards allyship forward facing on their Instagram. And you said that that was kind of like a red flag to you that you didn't really think that that would be the right person for you to coach. Yeah, And I'm really interested in that because this is a very big thing that we've been talking about, Steph and I amongst ourselves and on the show as well. And that is like, everybody has a different way of showing up. Yeah. What role does Instagram play in your perspective for that? Well, Instagram just happens to be the biggest megaphone that we have right now. Everybody is on Instagram. And so if we look at it like a village, right? And like, we're all kind of huddled in the center of the village, like they used to do in Africa. Like we're all kind of looking at each other on Instagram in a proverbial circle in this village called the world. And like, if I'm looking across the circle, I'm seeing somebody who seems apathetic about it and is actually posting. This is the part that I didn't say in that is that. I was seeing posts that were actually so antithetical to the world I want to live in. Like I'm talking about shooting guns at a shooting range and all sorts of stuff. I'm like, Oh hell no, this ain't a fit. This is not a fit. This is not my avatar. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. yeah, this was one of those things where energetically just didn't feel like it was going to be inspiring for me. And that's really where I'm at with my practice is I only coach people that I really feel inspired by because then I can authentically back them. You know, I'm not the yeah. type of coach that just wants your money. Like, I really want to back somebody, you know? So that's really where that's coming from. But I'm glad, cool. yeah. I'm glad you asked that question because I think it speaks to like a larger question, which is just like, and part of the reason why I feel I needed to back out of Instagram for a second is because I felt so much pressure to mm-hmm. have an immediate forward-facing, activated, uh, you know, 
stance. And I only want to say anything ever in life if it's something that has like actual like meaning. And I felt there was a lot of stamp your foot, like bitchy teen kind of energy that everyone was like, if you're not showing up, you're being violent and all these things. Mm. And like, Mm -hmm. I don't really agree with that. And so I guess what I'm asking is, what in your opinion is the, I guess, bare minimum and then move more, more into that, like ways in which a person should show up on Instagram. That's not just virtue signaling. That's not Mm -hmm. just showing that they're on board and then shutting it down just so that they're not, you know what I mean? Like it just, yeah, for sure. Dark dirt of just like, look at me and then bye. And I'm not right. Yeah. Everybody's performative, keeping up with the Joneses Mm -hmm. and no one's actually doing any damn activism. That's right. Other than the performative type. Well, I mean, listen, there's, there's the way I choose clients to work with. And then there's this other lens that I look at it through, which is be who you are. Mm-hmm. that's really it. That's like my point in all this is be who you are. Like if you are confused about what's going on, share that, mm-hmm. share what you're confused about. Maybe you'll get an answer. Right. So wherever people are, I think it's just one of those things where it's all hands on deck. I mean, we're in a crisis. Yeah. And so I get, if you don't really know black history or you're not sure how you've been racist, mm-hmm. we have blind spots mm-hmm. that you don't even know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm good as long as you're being who you are. Like, come out the closet. If you're somewhat racist, own up to it so we can move the fuck on. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit how you were last week, to be honest. I just care that you're moving forward and you're being a good human being from this point out now that you know what you know. Well, I think what I was seeing, which was like really pissing me off as I, as I, I continue to unpack this as the days move forward, as I'm further and further away from it so that mm-hmm. I can make a grand re-entrance and let everyone know that they is just that it felt like people were grappling in a deep, deep way with their white guilt. And yep. instead of taking ownership of that and being like, wow, there may have been a lot of ways in which I was passively, not necessarily racist, but passively mm-hmm. not acknowledging the underlying racism in this country. And instead of saying that, it was like, look at all the black people I know. And I'm just like, okay, this is <laughs> Really? Really? Did your PR team advise you on this? That's what it felt like. And I'm like, just yeah. admit that you weren't aware that you were white. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> that. well, that's the thing. It's like, can we have a conversation about a fish yeah. being a fish and even knowing what life without water is? Like we are all in our experience as subjective yeah. as it is. Yeah. And so white people, of course, have a cognitive dissonance when it comes to what a black American is experiencing because they ain't never been black in America. So it's like, I can't ask you to quantum leap into the awareness of what it's like to be afraid if a cop is driving behind. That's something that y'all probably don't even think about. When you hear a cop, it's like, I feel protected. I feel like I'll just start crying and pretend I have my period and they'll let me go. Right. They've always made my butthole clench anytime I'm around. I'm just like, no. You've got the soul of a black person, though. Ah, On some level, you're taking on our generational trauma. But I mean, really, truly, it's it's real. Like, I have not ever actually directly had racial profiling impact my life. Like, I don't look at my life and say, wow, I've had it hard. I've been privileged. Mm -hmm. I've been light-skinned, which is a thing. Yeah. (laughs) 
And I've also been fortunate to get some really big breaks and be very successful. So then there's this whole other tier of privilege, right? I'm, I'm in rooms where I'm often the only minority because everybody mm-hmm. is living their white privilege. And guess what? We can't blame them for that. We can't blame y'all for having some white privilege. You just got birthed in these skin suits and now you're finding out something that you had potentially nothing to do with. And then that's the rub, right? It's like, well, are you complicit because you let racism happen on your watch? Well, if you didn't even know racism existed on the level that we're seeing now is exist, then who's to blame? I can't blame you. It's true because the reality is like, I didn't really know about like a lot of black history until one of my comedian friends started talking to me about it after I watched the fucking Watchmen on HBO. Like I knew there was a lot I didn't know, but I didn't know about like the Tulsa massacre and like all of these Mm -hmm. things and like the erasure of like thriving black economy in America when it was just starting to pop up. I didn't know about those things because those aren't things that I was ever taught. And it's like, that's the point though, is like, as you learn, you grow and you can then integrate new information. You can't just suddenly be expected to like, have information that's yeah and i'm not making an apology i'm just saying like this is oh, i get it i think we it's need a to steep learning curve with ourselves a, about that yes 100 i think that both sides both sides absolutely a lot of grace is required to build a bridge here yeah. yeah you know a bridge within ourselves like connecting with a deeper level of awareness around how we've been like i noticed that i've had a propensity i've had a tendency to like blonde white women. Whoa, let me examine that. Let me actually do the work myself and not just preach it for a second. That to me is actually a form of what we're talking about here. We're talking about systemic programming that has rippled into every area of our existence. Mm -hmm. How black people are portrayed, not only in the way that old films did in the black face and all of that, right? But we're also looking at how we've actually been not only depicted, but portrayed ourselves. Like we've actually propagated some of the stereotypes. You know, when I'm sitting with artists and I'm, I'm looking at their body of work, I used to be at MTV and looking at all these different artists. And I used to think sometimes about my responsibility and who I'm promoting. Like if you're a real representation of the way I want Black America to be reflected on these mainstream outlets, that's a real point of issue for me. Like I'm grappling with my integrity right now and saying, wow, have I been actually a gatekeeper to this basic level of understanding what it means to be black in America? But it's just hard because it's like, I totally hear what you're saying, but it's also like, and it's that a black person in America, in a lot of regards, if we're talking about like, especially like music culture, can mm-hmm. only speak to their own experience. You know, if you're sure, asking exactly in the 90s and the early 2000s to have yep. some sort of like enlightened perspective of the future of the way in which we can um, stop becoming an oppressed cult. Like that's mm-hmm. a lot to ask when really an, a musical uh, artist is just trying to purge their experience, share, yep. let other people know that they're not alone. And so it's, yep. it's a big ask to say, we hear you. But also think about trying to not be under the, now what we're seeing is literal fucking knee of the white ideology. Like it's really difficult to rise above that when it's just continuously being taught and continuously being perpetuated by the way in which society is structured. For sure. And I just got goosebumps because I feel like this is the part that not enough 
black people are talking about. Like, yes, we've been oppressed and we've got a power to respond powerfully. And this is what Kanye got in a lot of trouble trying to mm-hmm. communicate on yep. TMZ, where it's like, we've got a lot of shit to work through. We've got a lot of trauma, et cetera. But we do have the capacity as a people to rise up, mm-hmm. dust ourselves off, and do what, you know, a lot of, a lot of people have done. Like when I look at Martin Luther King and like he took risks, bet on himself, double down on a vision for black people in America that inspired millions, right? To this day. So what's the difference between an MLK and any one of us right now that's in a position to potentially make a difference? So I'm really just encouraging all of us to look at how we can be in the matter. Like, who are we, where we are? Not like we need to be some Sean King getting millions of views on any given video about this, but just that we can use whatever platform we have, whatever resources we have to just lean in a little bit more every day. Okay, so Elizabeth, we're going to take another pause to... To say hello to another one of our partners, KiwiCo. We've talked about them before. And here's what I love. We're getting to this age where our friends are having children. <laughs> yeah. And it's, uh, it's weird because we're 16 and I can't believe our friends have kids. I'm, like, but... I'm still in high school. But as someone who doesn't have children, I'm very unclear on what I'm supposed to buy for a child. And KiwiCo has taken the guesswork out of that for me. It's a very, very cool gift for children that allows them to learn at home. It's fun and stimulating. It's good for their brain. You know, I know this conversation of child rearing right now has a lot to do with screen time. Yeah. Uh, What implications is that having on their learning and their brains? And if you don't want to add to that pile on, a great thing to do is to get them a KiwiCo subscription box. It's science and art and it's tested by kids and it's even loved by adults. It's like if yeah, kick I was cereal just was say, a project. It's like for kids, but it's really for everybody. Yeah. Because we all have that kid inside us. And who doesn't love a real engineering science and art-based project? Like yeah. I know I do. Yeah. Just because they have screens doesn't mean they don't want to work with their hands. Like it's actually yeah. people are always gonna love to engage with what's in front of them. And they have them for kids of all ages. And they're I got a soap dispenser, DIY, how to make a soap dispenser. It feels very topical for the times we're in. Mm-hmm. Wash those and hands. I am, I'm very excited to get into it. I love I haven't that. cracked it open yet, but maybe it's my new weekend project. Yeah, I mean, back. your friend Steph would love for you to make her a soap dispenser. So. so there are different crates for kids of all ages. So there's something for every kid on your list. There's no commitment. So you can pause or cancel any time. And I just really actually love this as a summer activity yeah. for the child or the child at heart in your life. Because what's better than a good old fashioned science artsy project? So like so it, remind, are, it should be said that you can literally buy something for a child zero to 24 months up until the age of 104 years old. It's for the child within all of us. If you go to their website, you can celebrate all their lines. They label them differently. It's very easy to choose. And it's really, really cute. I want to get pregnant. So KiwiCo is redefining play with hands-on projects that build confidence, creativity, 
and critical thinking skills. We That's could right. all use that. There's something for every kid or kid at heart. So get your first month three on select crates at kiwico.com slash retrograde. That's K-I-W-I-C-O dot com slash retrograde. Now back to the show. BRB buying a doodle crate. The game for me is like, how was I actually responsible for letting Donald Trump be the president? Like that's to me, that's really interesting because then we get into, okay, he's a reflection of the culture and something in myself I get to clean up. Yeah. Like that's a radical level of ownership of what's occurring out here. Mm -hmm. Like if we look at the spiritual lens, right? That like we're all one, we're all iterations of each other, of the God divine. And we're looking at our brother, flailing, needing attention, needing validation. And like, okay, at what point did I actually let my brother go off the rails? What do you think? You know, you know? I love you're saying that because I saw, I saw him walking down that fucking runway. That ramp. The ramp. Mm-hmm. Death. I got devastatedly sad. I was like, this is a yeah. human being who is in such a sad, dark illusion. And it broke my heart. But what, yeah. what are the ways in which you do think we're all, or I guess speak to yourself because you can only speak for yourself, but kind of mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes I try to speak for others, yeah. but it doesn't work out. Usually. <laughs> 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 but like, what are the ways that you feel like, you know, we did take our eye off the prize and kind of like allowed this culture to explode in that way? Well, I could definitely look at when Bernie was campaigning. And this is again, like just cleaning up my side of the street. You know, I think that's really the work we each get to do. I've got a lot of junk I'm looking at. And this particular instance was where Bernie Sanders was having a lot of momentum in his campaign. And it was him and Hillary. Remember that? And it seemed like, ooh, this is interesting. This is, I mean, you can make a case for both. Both of them are better than the other. 45, you know, orange. Whatever, Elizabeth cartoon. cartoon in chief. Did you call it yourself? <laughs> cartoon in chief. I think so. I don't like saying really his name. Good. Like I, I noticed. I don't. Thanks. I, I love think that. it might have been right from my mom. Thanks. Thanks, mom. Well done. Man. That's good. That's really good. Thanks, mom. Yeah. It's really, it's interesting to see where I got an opportunity to host something that was going to be a show, like a Trojan horse effect. You know, like the storefront was about the conversation at large. The back end of it was basically I was with Bernie Sanders campaign managers talking about strategically how we could actually shape the narrative to support Bernie winning, right? So being someone who was just getting hip to Bernie, there I was in these planning meetings about the show that was going to like disrupt the narrative and like all sorts of Hollywood stars were there, like Rosario Dawson was there and it was like a thing. And so I was like, okay. I don't really feel like the guy to host the show. Like I don't feel actually politically savvy enough, smart enough to host this conversation. You know, this is a gremlin of mine, an inner critic of mine that makes me not enough for any given thing I get offered. Mm. Quite a saboteur. Fucking love that guy. I call him sweet Mickey. <laughs> I, that voice gotta, in my head you is. You gotta so, name the little devils. <laughs> that's right. That's right. We have a really great relationship now. He's in the backseat. I was just really appalled that like I actually didn't say yes. So in retrospect, I'm looking at how I didn't say yes to hosting that show. And maybe, maybe my involvement could have made a difference. Who knows? I'll never know. But all I can say is looking back at that moment, maybe the show could have been even more impactful. I would have thrown all my gasoline on it as much as possible, brought more resources. Who knows? Maybe it would have been that thing to tip the scales and more people would have seen it, voted for Bernie, et cetera. Right? So 
I'm squaring off with that. And I'm saying, wow, never again, never again. That's why I created Ally Now because I was like, I have another business that I was going to roll out and that doesn't matter anymore because I'm looking at genocide in the country I live in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there is so much there beyond the incident with George Floyd. So I could go on and on, but I mean, you know, we've all been a part of this collective trauma looking at this thing and saying, wow, wow, we got some work to do. Every yeah, level. Speak about that. Speak about LA now and, and its mission statement and, and what you're setting out to do. Well, so we're looking at corporate America. We're looking at these companies. And I worked with MasterCard about a year and a half ago. They brought me in to facilitate a diversity and inclusion workshop to create more meaningful connection within their executive team. It was amazing. Within one session, three hours, it was a changed culture. Everyone was hugging each other, sharing stuff they'd never shared before, feeling like they're in a family all of a sudden, right? So that's what's possible, like high end. Yeah. But what, what we're looking at in corporate America, most companies, startups included, is a culture where not all the voices at the table are honored in the same way, right? Whether it's a female, whether it's someone who's trans, whether it's someone who's black, whether it's some, whatever. We're looking at the patriarchy, the white male patriarchy, and the trickle-down ripple effect. And so we all get to look at it and say, what are we going to do? So at Ally Now, we say, okay, we're going to create the most accessible, streamlined, efficient DNI programming, diversity and inclusion programming the world has ever seen. So we can turn this around from the inside out of corporate America. Because I actually believe a lot of this is economic. Mm-hmm. I it is. too. So when we can, we can change the soul of corporate America, looking at how like the programs that we're developing could go into a MasterCard or whatever company and actually change the hearts, yeah. like the actual perspective of employees on the world. That's really I was exciting. just listening to Marianne Williamson speak on this and she was saying there's nothing wrong with capitalism. It's a lack of morals within capitalism that is the issue. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, the morals, the values, you know, every company has this mission statement and these values, but how often do people check in with them and to see how they're embodying them moment to moment as they walk through the halls with their employees or whatever, however that plays out. But it's like, it's, that's what we talk about when we're talking about systemic change. It's not just looking at like the politics. We're looking at the system and the companies and and the system is, is seeped into the culture and the culture seeped into the system. So it's like, where do we begin? Well, (laughs) with ourselves, like squaring off with how each of us can be a better human being wherever we've been in it. It's not about a shame and blame thing. It's like, okay, that's what's happened. What now? Who am I now? And carving out a space and a program to support that is what we're doing. Speaking to the white male of it all, sometimes I feel bad for like white males of like our generation because it's like they were just told that they could have the world and then they just took it. And it's like, you know, it's not really like their fault. It's like so much bigger than them, but it's like part of what you're describing to me speaks to the biggest thing that needs to happen is like people in those positions really waking up to that privilege and admitting it and moving, moving the balance of power and like the voices around like you're describing. And I think seeing that feels like that's the biggest challenge for people is just like, Something off of it a little bit. Yeah, it's a big piece of humble pie. And it's not altogether delicious going down because then you realize, oh, wow, I was racist. Oh, wow. And then you got to eat more humble pie, Mm -hmm. you know, but I think it's all all part of what we're we're building here. And 
and that's what's, I mean, on the other side of this is, is harmony, you know, and it's looking at, for example, in corporate America, how, you know, we actually are the architects of cool. When we look at black people, historically, we've offered jazz, we've offered all these different art forms, right? And we're oftentimes the ones at the center of a big shift in culture, yeah. right? And, and so companies get to be really, really smart about that resource now and look at, okay, yes, morally speaking, ethically speaking, it's the right thing to do. Let's get really compassionate here. Let's get curious. Let's lean in. Let's be friends where we weren't. And let's look at the bottom line too, because best believe if you have more diverse voices at your table, you will reach more people. And have That's a better voice of the table, like some, be saying something yeah. more interesting. So yeah. I want to talk, yep. like the Ally Now thing is so incredible because I think like to me, allyship is really about like admitting that the only way we're going to survive is to take care of each other. Mm-hmm. So talk to us about you know, what that really looks like from the program that you're... Well, I mean, there's a lot of different aspects of Ally Now, and I've been speaking to one, but I mean, I'm looking at all the ways that we can support the conversation. Because right now, we have a huge opportunity to have the conversation that we've been dying, literally dying to have Mm -hmm. for over 400 years. And so how can we create more spaces that are loving, encouraging spaces? Because right now, what I'm seeing is a lot of people need to default to an Instagram as the platform for this conversation. And it's not really designed for some of the nuances yeah. of this conversation. So can we design environments, whether it's on a Zoom or eventually back in person, where we can actually look at, examine who we are? Mm-hmm. Like, let's, let's use this. It's, it's like going to AA. You know, we've hit rock bottom oh, yeah. in this country. And so it's like, if you don't go to AA right now, you're looking real fucking off. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but like there is a tone deafness occurring in companies that aren't having a stand mm-hmm. on this. It's great that we're having the conversation about what's going on online because that's obviously a big part of our reality right now. But I'm really interested in knowing like what allyship looks like for real moving forward in real life. How are the ways in which mm-hmm. real people offline can activate in this way that you're describing? I think it's to each his own. Yeah. I think everybody's path is going to look different. I think it's a slippery slope when we compare our activism to someone else's activism because this person may have more of a pocketbook to donate. This person may have more time, resources to be able to you know, put together a blog post about this. I mean, there's, there's such a spectrum of right. activism. So I would just say, pick something that can be something consistent. I like that. You know? And do that. Yeah. Do that for 30 days. See how it feels. See if maybe you're inspired to do something else along the way. You know, there's no right or wrong way to do this. I think the bottom line is let's care. <laughs> let's just care. Yeah. And figure out a way that that caring can play out in a sustainable way. Guys, we got to take a quick break. Remember traveling? Oh, yeah. Remember the excitement of planning a trip? People can still do it, you know. We can still do it. We are so excited to be partnering with one of Stephanie's and myself's favorite wellness spa meets luxury hotel experiences that I think we've ever been on. We had such an adventure at Miraval, Arizona. Yes. So I just want to explain what Miraval is. So it's more than just this like wellness retreat thing. It's got a wide array of activities and workshops ranging from yoga and meditation, outdoor adventures, equine activities, sustainable living workshops, cooking classes, 
private sessions with well-being specialists, counselors, nutritionists, astrologers, energy healers. Like it is, it's like if that's so retrograde, just like every 200 some episode just like exploded into an real life experience. That's what Miraval would be. It's so true. Stephanie and I did equine therapy for the first time. And one day we will devote an entire episode to breaking down that experience because it was wild and incredible and illuminating. It was amazing. And Miraval is opening its third all-inclusive location on July 15th in Lenox, Massachusetts called Miraval Berkshires. What's up, Dorinda? And providing a special offer to retrograde listeners. They are also reopening their other two properties, the flagship Miraval Arizona Resort in Tucson, Arizona, and its second property in Austin, Texas, Miraval, Austin. I want to go to all. Yeah. So it's (laughs) honestly, if you're thinking of going to a retreat of some kind, this is really like the place to go because it really like hits all of the boxes as far as relaxation and healing is concerned. You can go if you just need to decompress, if you just need like a tech break, or you can go if you're going through something more traumatic that needs a deeper investigation or therapy, trauma work. counselors there, trauma work. I mean, it's really the, it's the fun surface stuff to the deep, deep, deep work. And that is what I think makes this place so special. It's true. So- So I know we're all fantasizing about traveling again whenever that may be. So if you use the promo code retrograde, you'll receive 25% off your next wellness getaway to any of the Miraval resorts and spas whenever you're ready to travel again. So our code retrograde is valid through April of 2021. So that's miravalresorts.com. Promo code retrograde. You'll get 25% off your next wellness getaway to any of the Miraval Resort. That's Lenox, Massachusetts, Tucson, Arizona, or Austin, Texas. It is a worthy investment. Go with yourself. Go with a girlfriend. Go with your husband. Go with your wife. Go with whoever you love. If who you love is only yourself, it will make (laughs) you feel so revived. We promise. Back to the show. I think a lot of us too, like, kind of didn't realize it was our responsibility to stand up for each other. And that's Mm. what keeps coming to my mind in this conversation is this notion of like, when you see something that's clearly racist Mm -hmm. or clearly disregarding someone for whether it seems like it's for a race-related reason or it's being framed as that, but you know and you're in your core when something's off, to actually not just let that pass by you. Like I... I think that's something that I'm in the beginning, Elizabeth had posted about this and I thought it was so beautiful just about how like she didn't really realize that it was her responsibility to say anything. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a huge step towards what we're describing is just like calling Mm -hmm. it out. Yep, for sure. And instead of like having us calling each other out where it feels accusatory and judgy and all that, can we call each other forward? Can Mm -hmm. we say, hey, I know I know you care. And I got some resources for you. You want to jam on it? Like yeah. let's, let's be partners in it versus judges of each other in it. And I think it's just, a, to me, it's a testament that there is so much emotional triggering that's been happening. So people aren't actually looking through the same lens. It's a, it's a very affected lens by the, the emotion, the trauma of it and the, the, the intensity of it. Right. It's like, if we were in a yoga class together, we'd have a very different conversation. But right now we're now on yoga. 
we're we're on Instagram. Yeah, you know, and and the that's battlefield. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it can't feel like that. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because I'm really just like saddened by everyone attacking each other online. Mm-hmm. And I don't think yeah, our- it's not productive. That's the thing. It's like, listen, I get it. There's a trigger. We're feeling our feelings. Can we channel that elsewhere? Can we make a damn song that's not directed towards one person? Can we go for a damn jog? Can we go to a boxing class? Can't whatever, like release the energy in a way that does not need to tear someone else down. Yeah. It's, it's not productive. What's your, what's your advice to our listeners who are feeling the call and want to start and not sure where to start. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's going to sound like a shameless plug, but I mean, it's a very much cause driven thing. So it's kind of exempt from that. But I will say Ally Now is really designed for that first touch point for people. We have a Zoom that we do every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific time. Come as you are. You're not going to be expected to be anything other than who you are where you are with the information you have. And we're going to have a conversation where you can either watch or you can engage. You can ask a question after I speak to somebody who's a special guest on the Zoom or after you know we explore something that's going to be helpful for us. It's all a town hall kind of thing. It's basically mm-hmm. like a workshop wrapped into a talk show you know, where we have a, a levity about the conversation, mm-hmm. where it's not so intense. It's not so... Uh, performance driven. It's more curiosity driven. I love that. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Well, that answers the question. That's that's where yeah. we're all gonna go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> come come to the Instagram. Uh, the first couple of uh, of weeks we were on Instagram. Of course, I'm I'm building the team and getting people involved. So I'm the one handling the Instagram the first couple of weeks, and like now we actually have someone doing that more intentionally and able to have the bandwidth. So I mean, the, the Instagram is really going to be a place where it'll feel like a village. Like it'll be everyone who cares enough to continue the conversation, having the conversation in a bunch of different ways through our content. So I'm pumped. It's going to be really good. And uh, we'll do our best to change corporate America from the inside out. And now we have to talk about, which to me, this is a long, long time coming because you've coached so many of us who have podcasts. (laughs) You are starting a podcast. Yeah, yeah, how about it? How about it? I'm finally doing one myself. Yeah, it felt like after all the coaching, it was time for me to get back in the game myself. And so mm-hmm. it feels good to allow for the conversation to not be just about coaching, but really just curiosity. I'm leaning in and I'm asking all the questions that we all have about what's going on right now. For example, the first season is all about people who really stood out in this conversation and shed light, whether it's someone like Light Watkins who had a video go viral and within 24 hours, I think it was at 3.5 million from an Instagram post that he made. So, you know, he, someone who walked white people through what it's like to be black in America in such a way where they got it. By the end of the video, they're like, wow, okay, I get it. Yeah. You know, and so Light walked me through how he made that video and like what it took for him to be able to have that kind of a impact on the conversation. So breakthrough with Q is what we're calling it because we're talking with people who have had a breakthrough about how they actually broke through. And so light's a great example, right? Light was probably half the followers that he has now on Instagram. And within that span, like a week and a half where that video was circulating, I mean, he doubled his numbers. He all of a sudden was on everybody's radar 
And so like, I really want to look at the anatomy of breakthroughs like that so that it could be replicated by anybody listening to the podcast. That's really profound. Well, you know, I'm trying. I'm just so looking just to make a difference doing the work. here. <laughs> I mean, it really is a conversation. Like, that's really it. Like, at the end of the day, it's not magic. Yeah. It's really just asking the questions. I really am curious. I'm like, Light, you were making videos for how long before this hit? I mean, he was talking about the numbers of his videos before this video. I might have been discouraged. I might have been like, damn, is this, is this really working? Right. But he was like, no, my commitment was that every day, no matter what, I was going to sit down and make a video. And so I was just sticking to my commitment. And it was that simple for him. And it's like, oh, like what an amazing teachable moment where sometimes we won't get the reception for the thing that we think is going to make a difference. And what then? You know, it's like in this conversation about allyship, people, you know, put out something, oh, they get bumped by a black person that got triggered and then they're never going to have the conversation again. Let's see your resilience. Let's see if you're really committed to being an ally. Mm -hmm. You know? And so, yeah, it's, it's inspiring. It's a lot of really inspiring conversations. Someone once told me something like that about creativity and I, it speaks to this as well, where it's like, you don't sit down and like write your masterpiece all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. You write your masterpiece after having sat down every single fucking day, writing pretty much just whatever, like whatever your commitment is to yourself, what, following your vision. And then one day it begins to take form and make sense. And it's the same thing as what totally. you're saying. It's like, just show up. Just show up. Yeah. Like just by osmosis, things are going to happen. I mean, it's just about showing up really, truly. I mean, that's it. I mean, at this point, like literally having an audience listening to black people share about the experience of being black in America is valuable. Like that listening oh, yeah. is love. That's love. If you don't say anything in the next conversation about race and you just listen deeply and everyone that shared feels heard by you, you've done your job. That's beautifully said. Are and you guys a, listening? A, a great place to start. Mm -hmm. Question listening for you. Mm -hmm. Any questions about podcasting that you'd like to throw <laughs> our way? Yes. Yes, so many. <laughs> oh my God. Is it a full-time job though? Yes. It depends. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so for here's Elizabeth. how I look at it. <laughs> um, here's how I look at it. Blogs. Back in, you know, 10 years ago, when those first started coming up, you had bloggers who set forth to make that an ecosystem of a brand, of a business. You had already existing businesses that used a blog as a platform to communicate messaging for the business. You had people doing it as a hobby. It's a more involved version of that, but I look at it as a similar arm for it can be used as a great tool for a brand or you can like go all in. And if you're going all in, it is a lot and a lot of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I love it because it's such a great storytelling platform where people are invested in a longer chunk of time than they would be watching an Instagram yeah. video or something. It's just, yeah, it's a platform for really profound in-depth conversations where it's not this soundbite culture, but it's more nuanced. Exactly. And there is a democratization to it, to, mm -hmm. to us being able to, to provide it, to people being able to consume it. It's really such a special medium. Mm -hmm. And well, I think obviously you're going to thrive on it. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks. I appreciate it. Well, I'll be getting advice from y'all. So I'll have Absolutely. a leg up on the million other bajillion other people that have a podcast. I'm pretty sure my mom has a Bobcat podcast now. That's really <laughs> <laughs> I'd shark. love to listen. They, oh my God. My mom is brilliant actually. But yeah, that's what's uh, called uh, jumping the shark, right? When the, 
but that's not where we are with podcasts. I feel like we're just getting started. I feel like we're somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the middle. Okay. <laughs> I, think we, I think we turned a corner about six months ago. Uh-huh. It was like a, a suddenly like a solidified genre in a way that like everyone was paying attention. Well, yeah. within the past year. Yeah. Which has so been very I'll, interesting. I'll benefit from the bandwagon that you created. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Truly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Q, tell our listeners where they can find all your work. Uh, well, I'm on Instagram at Caduce, which is our friend Instagram. Oh my god, Instagram's amazing. Though. I'm gonna I feel log like on it's... on my desktop and follow you. Oh yeah, it's Q U D D U S. It's not the most average name. Uh, so I'm on Instagram. By the time this comes out, I think my website will be up and running, and that's caduce.tv. So you can catch me at both places and Ally Now. Ally Now is obviously uh, not necessarily going to be me behind the posts on Instagram, but uh, certainly part of the vision and so excited, so excited for everybody that cares enough to make a difference with us and be a part of the movement. Thank you for doing this for Thank you. The it feels like now it's just such a important offering that you're putting out there that is so needed mm. for us to all involve ourselves in this shift that is now. Yes, time is now. Yeah. This is it. We got the we got the moment. We don't want to be those people telling our grandchildren how we sat in the sidelines for the biggest revolution of our generation. Mm. Fucking yeah. a, if we even live to have grandchildren at this fucking rate. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Will Smith. Where is Will Smith Hello? when you need him? God. Are we in a Will Smith movie? <laughs> Elizabeth Bark. Yeah. We, woof, woof. Woof, woof. Woof, woof. We are here with Roses and Thorns, and I'm going to share some um, Rosie watching recommendations today. Ooh, same. You know, the state of comedy in America is taking a hit right now, not only because of the exposure of the toxic masculinity that has existed in that forum, but also because... Doing live shows simply cannot exist right now. And I know that a lot of my comedy friends are having, uh, experiencing a sort of creative death at the moment because they can't do the thing that they want to do. And they're questioning whether or not comedy still exists and is it even possible and where is it going? And, you know, it's a, it's a challenging time. So I wanted to shout out three people who have just released albums or specials that I think are not only hilarious, but also relevant to current interests. I'm taking notes. So the first one is one of our besties, uh, one of my open mic friends from way back when. He's opened for us at New York Comedy Festival, Jamar Neighbors. He is one of the funniest humans on fucking planet Earth. No joke. He just came out with a stand-up album called AI Was a Crack Baby. And um, he was literally a crack baby. And he is just a wild, challenging, hilarious, irreverent genius. And if you're looking for a perspective that you may not have considered before, uh, look no further than Jamar Neighbors. I remember when he opened for us, everyone was just like, what's going on? And I'm like, no, this like he's... 
he talks about growing up in Compton, but he also is like super into spirituality and meditation. And like, he's really on like the so retrograde journey. And like, a, I remember I made him meditate with me a couple years ago. And he was just like, so it, like, he was like, I've never done this with anybody else. And I was like, it's okay. Like, we're not fucking, like, we're just like <laughs> meditating. Like it's gonna be fine. And I just love him so much. So I wanted to shout that out. Then we have, uh, I'll just say two because I already said the other one. The second one is Eddie Pepitone, who is my favorite comedian. You remember he he did our No Name show. Yep, and I sure do. I was like shitting my pants that he was nice to me and followed me on Twitter. I thought I felt like I was meeting like G- comedy Jesus. He's literally to me one of the most brilliant people like ever in comedy. The first time that I saw him, I was like hyperventilating, laughing. I couldn't I couldn't believe that he existed. He just released another special called For the Masses. And it's on that? it's Where's on that? Amazon Prime. So Jamar's is on Pandora and okay. Eddie's on Amazon Prime. You do have to rent it at six dollars, but it just really speaks to like what comedy can be when someone is intelligent and well spoken and commenting on their not only their personal experience but the world at large. And it's just that to me is what it's supposed to be. And I really, really, really enjoyed watching it. So I want you guys to head over there and rent it, support him because he's a fucking genius and uh, it's worth your time, I promise. I feel like any comedy recs you have are like, that's who I want my comedy recs from is you. Thank you because I'm such a harsh critic. That and I just trust you on a lot of things, but especially what's funny. Well, it's like with comedy, like, I think why I always had such a hard time with with accepting it is because my standard of what I think is great is so high because yeah. it's easy to play to the lowest common denominator. It's easy to always just, it's easy to make dick jokes. It's easy to, right. you know, like, you know, the, the certain bro comedians of the world who are just picking the easy thing and continuously yeah. reusing the same premise and the same joke. Like there's people that don't do that. And Eddie is one of the most like original thinkers playing to the top of one's intelligence. And which reminds me, I also watched that Jon Stewart movie, Irresistible, that just came out. Okay. So good. Wonderful. So good. I I do want to see that. I rented it for $20 on Amazon because I was like, it's like going to the theater, but I'm laying on my floor. (laughs) (laughs) Because we have nothing else to do. Yeah. Arts and entertainment funds can can be used towards online rentals. Totally. Something that I watched that was a rose that... Uh, is free if you have Hulu. Padma Lakshmi has a new-ish series out called Taste the Nation mm. that is phenomenal. Um, not only is the premise amazing, but she's incredible. And I just, it's just like a perfectly packaged travel, food, history experience. Fun. And as a sidebar, so watch that, but also make sure you watch, if anyone's ever seen Bazaar Magazine, their YouTube channel does a series called What I Eat in a Day, which is uh, more often than not a little bit depressing when they interview women um, who talk about like their, I'm just going to call it a minimalist food approach. Padma, her, what she eats in a day is true queen level status. Like so much. So much. So intricate. So inspiring. I was like, everyone needs to watch this and and get inspired 
for like multiple meals throughout the day and celebrate it. That's awesome. So that is, I just, that was, that's, it's just a nice little uh, coupling for, for your food and education watching pleasure. I find cooking shows or like travel food shows just to be like so calming. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. They make it's me, wonderful. They make me feel so good. I talked about Ugly Delicious on this, on this, right? Mm, yeah. Yeah. That that shit was like, same thing. I was like, I want to travel the world and eat everything. And since we can't really be traveling the world right now, we can watch people do it while eating everything. Totally. <laughs> and that is my takeaway. That's the move. For this week. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much. So excited that uh, we had Caduce joining us today. What a gem. And, um, as I said, has played such a massive, massive role in this show Mm -hmm. and, you know, the expansion of myself and, you know, the growth of the show. So thankful that he could, he could join us. Likewise. Let's, um, let's, let's sign off and we'll see you guys, uh, next week. Stay safe, stay healthy. We love you. And then we'll see you next week. Stay listening. Bye. Yes, that's a retrograde.